Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you're listening. This is the Fool's Folly Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Fool's Folly Podcast, your number one arts podcast in Thanet. Darren, why are we number one? Because we're the only one, Connor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We are here today with an extra special guest, the amazing, the wonderful Jessica Barrett, assistant youth facilitator at Theatre Royal Margate, debut director for the Edinburgh Fringe. And <laughs> and I suppose most importantly, your highest credential is director of Fools Folly. So so Jess, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks very much for coming over to Fools Folly Tower, also known as Darren's Nan. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. It is lovely. No, no, no. no it is I, need, I want this on record. I want this on record on a public forum. <laughs> I don't want to give the impression that my nan's house is a tip. This is no. a very nice, no, lovely, it's lovely house. Lovely. I've, it's I've, just I've, funny that I keep referring to it as Fools Folly Tower. Yeah. And, and it's, it's our nan's. It's our nan's house. It's my nan's house. <laughs> uh, no, it's gorgeous. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I just needed that to be said because my nan might listen. Yeah, no. The, well, no. in that case, I, as, a supportive it's nan, as a supportive nan, she might go, oh, why are they taking the <laughs> out of my house? Is that how she sounds? No, <laughs> that's the only impression I know how to do. Of a nan. Yeah, oh, the only God. impression of a nan that you know how to uh, do. No, it's just, lovely. It's just slightly Absolutely higher sunny. and a little bit northern. Right. <laughs> Good. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, thanks very much for joining us. So I, I, I guess the, the first thing to, to talk about, which we talk about over and out. So mm. why theatre? Why the arts? Why? How did you sort of become a creative person? How did that kind of all come about? Why did why did oh, that why what did that happen? A big What's question. the question? I know, right? Oh, why? Starting off okay. easy, low ball. Yeah, just you know. Um, so I was brought into a very very creative family. My dad is an artist, mm-hmm. kind of on the side of what he does normally I have a lot of uh, very creative cousins so I was kind of born into that Mm. and I remember discovering theatre when I was probably what 10 years old Mm -hmm. and I remember getting cast as my school's head teacher in an end of year play and having to do a monologue and then getting a standing ovation and being like oh Oh, what a life sorry what was the play that you had to play your own head teacher um, uh, it was one of those fill-in-the-gap kind of school plays that you used to get. Do you, do you know the ones I'm going to talk about? Like a Mad Libs <laughs> play, I've never heard The ones that I think they kind of send out to every primary school in the country and you sort of fill in the gaps with your oh, own teachers and right. your own stories. Do you know oh, what I mean? I do know what you mean. I do, yeah. I do, I do. So I, 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 they, they cast it by pulling names out of a bucket and I just happened to get that lead role. And I just remember doing that. And then I remember just going into secondary school and I'm not going to lie to you, it kind of was the only thing I was good at. Which I, you know, Mom's, I Mom's think the same is thing. what uh, Mum was the same thing. You know? Yeah, same me. Yeah. Um, I, really, I was really good at. Yeah. And then uh, comedy and making people laugh is a massive thing in my family. Uh, so that was a very natural thing for me to kind of go into. And then just as I kind of got older, I realised that acting kind of wasn't the thing for me it was more directing and writing mm. went to uni had a ball and yeah it kind of went from there but there's no there's no real kind of reason why I did it I think you get a lot of people that go into theatre it's just kind of a calling I know that's so cheesy it's cliche you know cliches are cliches for a reason right yeah. you know yeah. these things become tropey because they're based in some sort of truth right completely mm. completely and I think as well uh, you sort of find your tribe with a lot of things yeah theatre was a space where I found my tribe nice I found a lot of people who would laugh at themselves and not take themselves too seriously and as a slightly chubby ginger kid at at high school (laughs) that was a very natural group of people I would go to you know it's funny you should say that though because actually I think sometimes within theatre you can find the opposite of that though you can find almost people who take themselves a little bit too seriously completely and I and I, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I, you know, that was kind of because like there wasn't much opportunity for myself to you know at, at high school things I had to do stuff. Yeah. The, the where I had theatre it was more that second one it was more people who took themselves a bit too seriously. But yeah. anyway, definitely. This is not the Conor Moore podcast. This is the. I think it is. I think it is a really good point. And and I, what I wanted to come on with you, Jess, is because you went to the University of Kent. Yes. Right. That's did I. That's did and you. you were, yeah. You were a year above me. Yes. Did you choose that? Because I think you're. I think you're right, Conor. I think there there are some areas and some aspects 
aspects of the industry where people do take themselves too seriously. But the University of Kent has a very strong comedy section yeah, to its to its degree programme. It's got a, it's got a module that focuses on it's called Introduction to Stand Up, and there's a popular performance module that's uh-huh. very uh, comedic based. So was that a reason why you chose the University of Kent Completely. to study to study there? Completely. I can all I can say that my wonderful mother went through every single brochure with me with for every single course I could find and I sat down and looked at the University of Kent course and the reason I picked that university is because I found a module on stand-up comedy and I went right well that's probably the (laughs) that's probably the degree for me solely kind of based on that module and you're so it was kind of very blessed to say it was the perfect course for me no regrets also can we can we take this opportunity this is quite a nice thing all three people around this microphone have done stand-up comedy yes yeah starting with you jess as you're the guest how did you how do you find that process gosh so i did it within the kind of safety of a theater module so i think it's completely different to someone who comes into the arena completely you know just going oh i'm just gonna get on a stage and say some funny things so i you know did it through the module and i'm not naturally i don't think a performer i don't you know like i said i'm a director i'm a writer i that's not what i will naturally go to and I found stand-up comedy the most rewarding thing I think I've ever done as a performer. Okay. And I do that... have a history of acting, but that was hmm. wonderful. Is that because you're performing your own material and you're almost yourself, you're being self-sufficient in that moment, you know, because a lot of the time you're sort of, you know, you're, you're certainly in my case, you're sort of self-directing, you're writing, obviously, or your own material. Yeah. Things like that. Was that why? So, because you're kind of, the, you're becoming the whole package then rather sure. than sort of taking a lot of strands from a lot of other people. Is that why? Or do you have an answer to why? Or is it just one of those things that you can't necessarily yeah. explain? I think it's a combination of, I think, where I was in my life anyway, I wanted to step away from performing because it kind of wasn't filling that need that it used to when I was a little bit younger. I think as well, I I will tell people that I'm a performer rather than I'm an actor, just because I feel like that title fits me a little bit better than actor okay. does. And I think... Doing stand-up comedy just completely uses everything like I'm in love with, which is comedy, which is performing. And I'm kind of, as you guys know, you perform as either kind of yourself in stand-up comedy or a persona of yourself, mm. a version of yourself. Yeah, it that was kind of it for me. It just kind of involved everything I loved. And also, who doesn't love controlling kind of an audience? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a massive part of stand-up comedy. So all of the ego you like, the Completely. whole thing, you know, we, I think it always comes back to... And it's always going to sound bad, I think, but it's not meant to be. The The game is ego. The reason we do this is to sort of, isn't it to fulfil ourselves a little bit in that way? Isn't it, do you think it's 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 a self-fulfilment, I think? It certainly is for me. It's something I definitely do for myself yeah. quite a lot. I, I definitely think whatever you're doing, as long as it's in this field, <clears throat> it's definitely self-fulfilment to a yeah. point. I wouldn't do this unless I... It was making you happy. Of course, yeah. Completely, because it's a really tough industry to be in. (laughs) Let's lay that on the line. It is the toughest industry to be in, and a year and a half out of graduating, my God, have I learnt that. (laughs) 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 This is hard, this is bloody hard work, and so I wouldn't do it unless it was really fulfilling part of myself. I think there's a difference between where people find their Mm fulfilment, definitely. I think there's totally you being an actor you know I think there's definitely a difference between what you find fulfilling and what I as a director find fulfilling yeah in that field I a massive part of why I want to go into that field more and I'm doing it at the moment but you know baby baby steps um but the reason is I love watching people absolutely shine on stage and seeing that fulfills me in a way that I didn't get as a performer yeah but yeah I think I think you can't be in this in this game unless it's fulfilling some part of your soul in some kind of way to answer the question yeah yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry Darren you were talking so Stand-up comedy. So what was your experience like during stand- doing stand-up? Um, so I, I, I did exactly the same 
I think exactly <laughs> the same course as you. Um, yeah. The year after you, mm-hmm. and what was really weird because I came and what I came and watched your. Oh, you did your indeed. Show, and then I did the, the next year. So for those for those who might not know, at the University of Kent they run an introduction to stand up module that you can take in your third year. I think it's a fantastic module, and I, while there shouldn't be required modules, I think if there is one, I can almost think that should be it because it does what stand up comedy does do. Even if you think you aren't funny, is it? It teaches you to have to control a room. And I think for any performer or if you wanted to go into anything that requires any degree of public speaking, I think stand-up is a really useful way of learning how to do that thing. And I know there's the pressure of you've got to be funny, but it does teach you... It does It does help. But it does... I mean, my God, like, I... So having started doing a few kind of open spots now outside of university... Yeah. I've seen people do five minutes and do really well. I've also seen people struggle doing five minutes. But you respect, having done it once, you respect everyone who gives it a go and who writes a, who writes a joke. Yeah. Because to have the uh, to have it within you to get up in front of people and to say, like, I'm going to stand in front of you, I'm going to talk for five oh, minutes, yeah. I'm going to try and make you laugh, yeah. you have to respect that. Definitely. Re- regardless, regardless of whether it goes. So I think everyone should do it. So I did it the year, I did that module the year after you did it and I was also on exactly Exactly in the same slot in the final show. Yeah, you were. I was, I was second to last. Yeah, doing 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 five slot, minutes. The lucky it slot. Yeah, it's still the most terrifying thing I mm. do. What about you? Uh, I uh, I didn't do it uh, at university because I didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> so where I did it, so it was it was still very sort of safe and supportive for me because where I did it was I did it at the uh, at a couple of different open mic nights during um, some other it was like slam poetry and spoken word and things like that so some funny some somber what I wasn't and what I didn't have during my during the spots that I did were like other comedians to sort of put myself up against so most of the time just by proxy just by the sheer thing I was kind of almost always the funniest which is really great for my own ego (laughs) but just because like there's no you know no one else is really doing uh doing a stand-up and I've yeah I've done it a few times I haven't done it loads just because I don't go to events anymore did you not find it did you find it a help or a hindrance, though, being on a bill where you might have to follow a sombre poem or something, and then you've got to get that crowd it's, up? Uh, yeah, it's definitely difficult because not because I'm there, because both times I did follow, and she's a brilliant poet, and I can't remember her name now, and I'm really sorry about that. Uh, and her poems were very, very good, very well written, but they were hard hitting and they mm. were heavy but I guess that almost gives that it gives you a little bit of assurance in your material the material you write to actually go well if I can bring them back from that mm. well that's a skill in and of itself yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think which makes me think I might be potentially a better compare than I am a stand up comedian I don't think I'm a very good stand up comedian but what I am quite good is getting a crowd g'd up and excited about and excited about the stuff just because in the writing process i like i love writing with other people i like the collaborative effort of writing i don't always like writing on my own this is gonna this is gonna seem really odd this is gonna seem really odd actually now talking to two people that i write (laughs) (laughs) i hate writing with other people yeah uh i only you know you will have written and we've written together and it's just the thing and and apologies for anyone who might ever write with me in in the future but it's just the thing of I the thing I have particularly is I have if I've got it in my head a particular way the wording of the thing is Mm. even if I even if someone can prove me objectively wrong that I am objectively wrong I still think I'm right. Yeah. And I will argue my case until I'm blue in the mouth and I'm very very stubborn about it. This is not a very good advert for me. <laughs> <laughs> hire me, everyone. I'm open for hire. I'm easy to work with. <laughs> uh, but no, so that's what because that's what I like. I do. I do love the collaborative, mm. the collaborative element of oh, not even necessarily just writing. The collaborative sort of element of any piece of creative work is some yeah. is normally my favourite part yeah. of it. Um, Throwing ideas around. Is yeah, really and nice, that's what. Isn't it? like, yeah, we could do this. We could do this. And yeah, and I just don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I do like that, and I probably should do some more because I think I would be okay at it. Um, it would be interesting to test some of the material I've got on a billing with mm. other comedians. But yeah, I like. I like. I prefer comparing. I like more that thing about it, and I like. And yeah, I don't always love writing alone. I do write alone, and I, and it's fine. Yeah. But the collaborative is my favourite yeah. part of it. Yeah, me too. I like yeah. the collaborative. It's a game of compromise, I think, when. When you yeah. write with someone else, yeah, and you find your oh, hills I, to I die on. It, guys, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but you find you know you find your hills to die on. 
you know, uh, oh, during writing. You'll, you'll, find, you'll find your own hills to die on and you're like, well, you know, I'll take that one, but I'll remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I'll, I'll die on every hill. Yeah. I don't care how many hills I die on. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the magic, the magic of writing someone else, I've been very, very lucky in the past where uh, when I have been doing projects with other people, they have been very, very talented writers themselves that's including you, Mr. Mr. D. Hill. But um, I, I think it's totally one of those things where I love the feeling of sitting with your partner and writing something and one of you coming up with an idea and the other one just being like, oh, I get where you're coming from, but what if it came from this angle? That moment of excitement mm. when you're both like, oh my God, that's the best thing in the world. I love that. And I, I you, you kind yeah. of, I don't, whenever I'm kind of trying to, I also, I'm very, very bad when I'm writing by myself to keep the motivation up because I am the first person to be like, this is the worst idea in the world. Mm. Why have we started to write so what's this? Your, what, uh, we've talked about this. So we talked about the collaborative side of writing, but actually yeah. of any project, yeah. the writing is my favourite bit. Yeah. And the writing is my favourite bit, I think, because it's the bit with co- almost the least consequence to it. And you can ju- you kind of just in a room and you're going, what if we do this? What if we do this? What if we do this? And you can kind of, you can just free form and you don't have to think about things like budget, mm. how we actually do that. The bit I, I don't, I'm reluctant to say I dislike, but the bit I, I don't find as much fun is actually the nitty gritty of putting the thing together. Yeah. But I really like the writing. Yeah, I really like the sure. writing and the initial like, the initial stage of going, yeah, let's just do all the things. <laughs> What's your, of the writing process though, because yeah. that's, that's a multi-layered thing itself. So uh-huh. you've got the, the initial concept, the bouncing ideas, and you've got the writing of the dialogue and the rewrites. And sure. Is there a particular stage of that that you really find, really find fun? Or, fun. Or, or, or something that you dislike? Oh, I really hate it. And you've seen this with me many a times. Mm. The worst bit for me is when I can't quite figure it out. And that's the bit you also really like. We were talking about this a couple of days ago. When I'm just at a point where the story's kind of starting to emerge and I've hit my first kind of roadblock and I can't quite figure out how it's kind of going to go. Oh my God, I'm the worst person. I just am absolutely awful. But, you know, on, on the flip side, I absolutely love when you suddenly come to the realisation of, oh, oh, that's I figured it. it out. That's the answer. When you figure it, it out, it's yeah. It's completely a game, of, a, a game of doing that, I think. Do you have anything, though, that you will, when you hit that wall... Mm that you will do to try and trigger yourself out of it? Is there anything in particular that you'll do? I'd love to tell you that I kind of, you know, go and do some yoga. And I just go go and be with myself and I figure it out. Uh, what I really do is have a panic attack. No, I, I kind of sit there and kind of get angry at myself that I kind of don't get it. And then I kind of write a billion things and delete a billion more. And then it will be that kind of thing where like, once I'm forced to go out and say, do my day job or just do something kind of where I don't have to use my brain that much, <clears throat> then that's kind of when it will come to me because I'm not so fixated on it. Because the issue I have as a writer and actually sometimes as a creator is I get fixated on the kind of little details and I need mm. those bigger pictures. It's, it's funny you should say that the, the bit about, you know, it's, it's it comes in those moments when you sort of, you least expect it. And Austin yeah. Cleon, who's a brilliant author and a, and, and a writer, um, I can't remember if it was in his first or his second book, um, he talks about the writing process and he's like, it, when he gets stuck, one of the things he does is like, I make myself bored I'll go and be bored I'll go and wash the dishes or I'll go and have mm-hmm. or I'll shower and not listen to music not listen to a podcast not distract myself with something mm-hmm. I'll just be in a position where my brain is firing on all cylinders and then suddenly mm-hmm. the thing is there and I've sort of come to do that because I was the sort of person who would if I'm washing the dishes because I loathe it with a fiery passion of a thousand suns I will not listen to a podcast I'll not listen to music I'll not watch some something on my computer I'll just be bored and I'll just because then your brain starts to fire off and even if actually if you're yeah. th- you, and even if you start thinking about another idea it just I think it all helps with the creative that yeah. creativity yeah. In, a, to, in a roundabout way I used to, during university this is this is not writing essay guidance advice <laughs> at all to anyone listening yeah although I got quite good at writing essays 
but don't if do it my way. So if he does, <laughs> if I do say so myself, but don't do it my way. What I would do is I would walk around my house and I'd do laps and I'd talk out loud the points that I thought I needed to hit in the essay. Mm. And I would talk to the point where I'd go, ah, that is a good, that's a good point. I need to make that point in the essay and I'd jot that down. And once I got 10, of, 10 or so of those and I had the points... I just know I needed to line them up. That's all, all I would do. I'd just walk around talking out loud. That's yeah. all I would do. Constantly, 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 constantly until I had a skeleton of a, yeah. of an of a thing. And yeah. you just, because I was bored. Yeah, be bored. Be bored. Be I think bored. be bored is the, is, is the interesting... That's great advice. Do, the shower thing, you're so right. I'm just thinking now. Shh. Great shower ideas. <laughs> shower thoughts, you know, oh. it's, a, it's a thing for mm, a reason, gotcha. you know. There's whole websites dedicated to the idea of shower thoughts <laughs> yeah. and things like that, you know. Yeah. I think that's really... I do, I do. I think that's Definitely. genuinely interesting. And so, I think that being bored thing. On, yeah. on that note, what's the best shower thought you've ever had, Jessica Barrett? Oh, I'd, I've written many a songs in the shower. Of many a West End hits. Um, <laughs> then, <laughs> and then have just got shower. Shower, shower, shower thoughts West End hits Definitely. out now. Do you know what? Okay, Shark Tank, I'm coming in with you with an idea. How about a microphone that you put in the shower, waterproof? Oh, hit it, do, do my shower faults. Uh, I and guarantee then, you it's already going to be a thing. That's bound Connor. to be a thing. You're Googling it now. It's bound to be a thing. I'm not actually... Google. I'm looking up interesting it, shower thoughts, but it, Google that. Yeah, I, I want a thing that you, you hit and then you can do all your shower thoughts and then you come out and you listen to it. And you, you want go, your shower to be bugged. Issues. Is what I don't you want. want. <laughs> you want I think... Because that's, that's the thing. You want a microphone put into your thing. I want a mic... Yeah, but only audio. Come on now. No one's listening in. <laughs> She's in the shower now. <laughs> She's singing the Trump's same listening. song again. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what that's that's what I would like. I'd like I'd like <laughs> a million Ward, pounds. Colin Ward, best shower thought you've ever had. Well, uh, so I, I'm I'm going to cheat and I'm going to read this one because this is exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is anxiety is like when video game combat music is playing but you can't find any enemies. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> my existence. That's great. I love that one. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it's like. It's like, I don't know what's wrong, but I know <laughs> there's something wrong. Uh, like and that. that is literally <clears throat> the feeling of when you when you just can't quite get to the thing that you're trying to get to and you can't quite figure out the narrative. There's a tiny thing and you're going, what is the thing? And then you think of the thing. And it's the best feeling in the world. So I suppose that leads on to, I feel really awkward. I feel I shouldn't ask this question. Oh, because. Because the last thing that you've written was with me. Yeah. Writing other people, what yeah. are the challenges that you, some of the challenges that you face and how do you overcome them? How do you negotiate that, Completely. that process? Okay, so I think, oh, okay. So the first thing I'd say is whenever you're working with someone else, there's got to be a mutual respect. okay so I feel like that is for anyone who's wanting to write with someone else or create something I think who whoever you choose as your creative partner there's got to be some kind of mutual respect there I will only work with people that I kind of think are better than me because I think that's sort of the only way to kind of work to work with someone who you know's really good but also to know kind of what hills to die on is that the expression yeah is that the one okay um (laughs) so i think i think you've already kind of said it you pick your battles you totally pick your battles but i think it's having a mutual respect for your co-writer that if they feel completely opposite to you you've got to hear them out a great thing that i learned from the most incredible uh, devised performance teacher i once had was that she taught me the process of letting an idea exist for at least five minutes. You have to let it suck for a bit. Exactly. Mm. So whatever, whether it sucks or whether it, whether it doesn't, if someone brings to the table, and this goes for writing, creating performance, whatever, someone brings an idea to a table, you've got to let it breathe for five minutes. So that means even if you hate every kind of point about it, you don't shut it down completely. You mm. kind of let it go and you go, okay, if that's the idea, let's, let's bring it in this environment, let's let it breathe, let's see. Because the 
best thing that can happen is it becomes this amazing idea and it's incredible. The worst thing that happens is you sit there and go, well, that didn't work and you move on. Yeah. But I, I find that's a really good method for me is that if I can't think of an example right now from our process or, or any other, but if, <laughs> but if you came to me and you went, I don't think the narrative can go this way, I want it to go this way, that process of just going, okay, well then let's let that breathe. Let's let's see how that changes the dynamic, how that changes the story. And if that then doesn't work, moving on. But moving on as a collective, like moving on as a as a partnership. As it or or in you know however many collaborators you have, I Completely. suppose in that in that sense. So what's the most we we have a, we have a term at Fool's Folly, and I'm sure a lot of people have like yeah. it, it's like when you pop something, which means you go off and you like you you find something just brilliant. Okay. Which, you know, I think I actually got that from the both of you. Yeah. What is what? Can you remember one moment where you were like popped for an idea properly, and you were just like, God, that's that's the idea, that's brilliant. That's what I love about. Oh, that. but I do that many times. Like yeah, <laughs> the sure. thing, um, I think uh, as a human being, I get very excited, <laughs> which is wonderful. You know, I get very excited about the things. Um, I think um, so. For us, in in what we've done in the past, there have definitely been moments where, like, I don't want to, don't want to give away bits of the story because you're going to come and see them at the Theatre Royal, obviously. May 10th and 11th. Thank you very much. But there have definitely been moments where we have hit a narrative and gone, oh my gosh, that might be the best thing that anyone's ever written. (laughs) 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 And you kind of have to have that excitement with everything you do, I think. For me, it's definitely been when a character has done something or a relationship has evolved to a point where I've gone, that has now made sense for the whole of the story. And now the whole of this story has a beautiful way of coming together and everything's kind of linked up beautifully and all that kind of stuff. That's sort of when I pop, was it? Pop, When I yeah. pop. <laughs> when you pop for something. Yeah. When I pop for something. The term comes, I think, from professional wrestling to pop sure. to, to pop for something so if if something in a, in a match or an entrance or anything about the presentation of professional that's where i picked up from it just makes the crowd go way right okay. we pop, we pop for it we pop for it i understand yeah, yeah okay we, that makes sense we, we yeah pop, we pop for it because that's what that's what it's like circus acts of professionals they're trying to get the audience they're to trying do. to get the pop we're trying to get we're trying sure. to get the pop Trying to get the pop. Trying to get the pop. Can you guys think of an occasion where you've seen some kind of show and as an audience member, you've popped, as it were? Oh, that's, really that's a great question. Can I give you mine to start the Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, a, it is It is originally a theatre play. It's now been adapted to a very successful TV show. I am a massive, massive fan of Fleabag. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Yeah. No. You watch Fleabag? Uh, if Fleabag. You ha- oh, oh, Connie, Connie needs to watch Fleabag. You'd love it. You would. You would. Is, you'd love it. You'd oh, love God, it. she's great. She's one of the most incredible writers, I think, in the last... Yeah. Oh, easy 10 years. Mm. She's brilliant. And I have brought the the stage play, but I'm obsessed with the TV series. And there is a moment in the first episode, again, I won't give anything away because it's an absolute treat to watch, but there is a moment where she does something and she looks to camera just at the end of the episode and I physically got up off of my bed and did a little dance because it was just so wonderful. Oh, those moments are great, aren't they? Yeah. Or in a theatre when there's an actual physical moment where there's a communal intake of breath, right? Oh, it's wonderful. It's, that's, oh, that's I think it's at its most, most, if you can get that in theatre, that's when it's at its most powerful, right? Because you've got, everyone's there. Mm. It's like, it's it's haptic feedback. It's immediate. Completely response to something and you can just and you can feel an energy the 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 um, not unfortunate because I think it goes with live theatre you, you it's the risk you take you can get the opposite as well though and you oh, can yeah. feel the opposite when something doesn't work and you can feel that and it's like oh no they're not going with me on this little yeah. journey I'm trying to take because yeah. yeah, yeah, actually the, the time I've popped the most is at pro Love wrestling yeah. you know, I've of gone course. to wrestling yeah, events yeah. Because that I, in itself I, is I, a complete theatre because I think experience. it is I think it Completely. is I think it is one of the most wonder, yeah. wonderful types of theatre ever it, it is the, uh, pro wrestling 
at its very basis is I'm going to take someone that you dislike, I'm going to present someone that you really, really dislike, and I'm going to present someone that you're going to love yeah. as a crowd. I'm going yeah. to pit those two people against each other, and you are going to root for the person that we are tell telling you is the good person, and you're going to really actively root for the downfall of the villain mm. and if the hero overcomes the adversity given by the, by the villain you're going to absolutely go mad for that and if the vice versa you're going to be so enraged by that that you're going to want to come back to see eventually your hero get their own back mm. so when that is going well that is amazing and it's amazing in the in a crowd and if you if you go back and watch anything on youtube of like eight particularly like 80s wrestling mm. in america andre the giant versus Hulk Hogan mm. at Wrestlemania 3 now anyone who's anyone knows that these people are not fighting legitimately yeah of you course don't, sure. like, let's not insult people's intelligence and go they all thought it was real look at the way they are laying punches into each other <laughs> like no one fights like that but it was about the story right yeah it's a yeah. tale he was, he was the champion of the people and you had this undefeatable giant who's going to win it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be real. It yeah. doesn't have to be. I just have to. I, it has to be real enough that I'll buy in. Sure. For that little bit, and when he when he picks Andre the Giant up and slams him on the floor, you watch. And there's ninety three thousand people in that building, and they just erupt. That's a great moment, and it's a moment of theatre, and that's Definitely. live performance, right? Mm. But con conversely as well, if you're watching, if you're watching pro wrestling and you're just like, I'm not into this. This is hokey and this is awful. Or any play that's just going, it's just. It's the worst thing. Oh, you watch. just kind of feel like you want to, you want the ground to open up and, and swallow, swallow you. you whole. Yeah. Yeah, to be a part of an audience where you're watching something on stage that clearly isn't engaging and just the actors aren't present and they're not there, and so you know none of the audience are as well. That is the worst thing in the world. I've definitely got my version of that. I'm, yeah. I'm still trying to think of the pop, but I've definitely got my version of that. It's when Darren convinced me to go and see... <laughs> he knows exactly what I'm going to say. This was, this was what, 10 years ago? Maybe? Maybe, maybe probably about 10 years ago. And, and this is still my moment for this. Darren convinced me to go and see a version of A Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, I love um, that play. Which is a great play. Cracker, absolute cracker. And it should be a triumph and a treat and a joy to go Always. and watch it. Such a strong story. Yeah. How can it go awry? How, how, <laughs> how could it go awry? Very good question. Uh, it did go awry. <laughs> Darren convinced me to go see this show. So, first of all, we were in the nosebleed, which is fine, because I think our tickets were either free or very, very cheap. Because obviously we've been involved in, you know, the Theatre Royal for a long time and it happened sure. to be at the Theatre Royal. But we went to see this and it was... I'm reluctant to say that anything, everything about it was bad. I'll oh. say it. Everything about it was bad. Uh, no, but do, do you know what I mean? Because like, you can see why... Well, what about the costuming? <laughs> <laughs> no, even that was bad. Really? What, what, even that was bad. One of the biggest things that really annoyed me, and I still remember this today, is they had this stupid little yeah. pink mini fridge yeah. that was on stage the whole oh, time... And it was obviously supposed to be the the main fridge in, in their house, and it was just it lots. Of, there were there were so many elements that just completely took you out of the moment when you know theatre is all about tr spending that time to try and draw those people in. Yeah. Um, and they had they'd spent, and we know how much it was. I think it was something like a thousand pound a night for this half a spiral staircase, and they were on three or four nights in the theatre royal. Wow. And they would like run up and down it or, almost. It, at every possible opportunity, I'm guessing to get their thousand pounds out like, of the uh, guys, we out of do this at least four times, at least four times this evening <laughs> to make sure we get our money out of it. But that was my that was my moment. I just I just wanted just to because I would hate and it's and I and I've talked about it before. I would hate for someone to have that reaction to my thing. Yeah. So yeah. I'm so I'm reluctant. I'm reluctant to be like it was terrible. It was awful. It was bad. It was there. There were very very few redeeming features. Yeah. The the one redeeming feature that I did. Hear it was. It, I'm pretty sure it was a self-funded show. Mm. Obviously, it wasn't written. I'm pretty sure the, the lead actress um, who played uh, Blanche, uh, thank you, was um, she. She funded the whole the whole tour. She was the only one who was good in it. Though. She was the only one who was. Good she was the only one who could do the accent as well. That the accent, yeah. yeah. It was just. It was. Yeah. It was very. Sh it felt very schlocky. Mm -hmm, sort yeah. of, you know, schlocky mm -hmm. television drama. It was just. It was unfortunately really, really, really bad. My my pop. What did I pop for? I remember years ago mm. watching a. Uh, uh, 
I came to see one of the youth theatre shows. Yeah. And there was a moment where, uh, I think it was during a version of, I think it was during Alice in Wonderland. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Oh, it's not one of mine, okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm sure there were moments. Uh, uh, oh, I, I mean, I co-directed, yeah. I, oh, I was an assistant director. On yeah, there, so. so, I and I remember the, the, the girl playing Alice Mm. had a bit of a moment where she had a uh, a coughing fit and she was choking on stage. Right. And oh, yeah. undirected I'm assuming that wasn't No, it's not directed. I know what you're going to say. Actually. And out of the wings <laughs> creeps a Darren Hill with a glass of water <gasps> onto stage, hands it over and then stands there, hands in his pockets. But what what was beautiful was <laughs> it did make it look like a scripted moment because everyone interacted with everyone in 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 the exact way you would think that would happen. It was it was so funny. Oh, that's so and sweet. so joyous. But what it was is it was it was it was something that went wrong yeah. that wasn't supposed to happen. But everyone was so on board and took it with such joy and they took it in sure. such a stride. It was just like. Oh, that's a great moment, but I just remember, I just remember can I, can Darren's I, figure coming from the side of the wing with a glass of water. You absolutely may. So, um, if she if she's listening, the, the the girl the girl who played Alice. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure she had um, quite severe bronchitis. Oh. So she was coughing a lot. She was quite ill. We considered cancelling the show. Mm. And to be fair to her, she was an absolute trooper and just went, no, I'm doing the show, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? And she'd got through two nights and we had had the plan of if this, if, if we really need to and she has to have a coughing fit, I'm going to go on with a glass of water. We're going to make sure she's okay because it's a youth theatre show at the end of the day. At the end at the end of the day, I know they pay for their tickets, but it's kids on stage. They need to they're, be looked after. They're, 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 the kids on stage need to be looked after. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go, go on thought it, and when she's ready to go, we go again. Uh, two nights, it had not been happening. The third night, she starts coughing. So the plan, the plan was basically, I will give this performer a glass of water, and, and when she's ready, she'll go. And until then, I'll riff, and I'll do, and I, and I. Which you're of, very good at. And I just so. went on and, and did a did a thing about. I said I was Keith. I was the Wonderland caretaker. <laughs> I'm Perfect. here to look after. I'm here to look after Alice. Yeah. And I went. Alice has got this because she's a massive smoking addict. And she... <laughs> perfect for kids. Oh, perfect theater. for kids perfect. theater. But, and, you know, and that was that. But that was just. And do you know why that was? That had to yeah. Happen. Why that was probably so wonderful for you as an audience member, because I'm sure it was a moment of genuine playfulness. It was. And realness, and I think a lot of theater forgets possibly the importance of play yeah I, that might sound like a very obvious statement but, but also yeah yeah i think okay. it's that and also i think for for the people who are in that audience it was i think actually what it was also is a genuine moment of the people who run this group that i send my children to care really care and, <laughs> yeah. and, and a big and a big um shout out should go to martin gibbons as well actually who was the leader at that time mm. who partly came up with that's the that's, 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 strat- that's the strategy sure. if that happens mm. What's the question? So, um, <laughs> so the question was: uh, So, what are you willing to sacrifice for your art? Okay, I am probably an exception to the rule mm-hmm. because this is speaking from at a point I am in my life at the moment, and it's changed as I've grown up. I will never sacrifice the relationships of my family and my friends for this job. Okay. But that's changed as I've grown up. I kind of grew up being like, this is the be all and end all. I'm never doing anything else but this thing. And it was a part of my personality so much that when I grew up a little bit, I was like, oh, probably not best to base your entire personality uh, around an unstable career path. So, for, and I, I'm, again, I'm very, very family orientated. My family, the most important things. Uh, in my life and as are my relationship to my friends you know partners all that kind of stuff so I actually probably won't sacrifice that much Mm. I'll sacrifice stuff like holidays and um, certain family events I guess certain (laughs) occasions I will I will sacrifice a stable income Um, I will sacrifice sacrifice The, at the moment, being a 23-year-old woman, I currently will sacrifice certain things like that stability 
like knowing that I can take holidays and all that kind of buy property, perhaps. Mm. Um, ask, I think that's a really interesting question to ask anyone in this field. Agreed. I think it's a very interesting... That's why I keep it in my back pocket. Completely. I think it's a very interesting question okay, to we get ask. it. He's a better interviewer than I am. <laughs> I, think... <laughs> I think... And for all of this, yes, Connor did just grab my shoulder in a slightly like, reassuring but slightly patronising way. Ah! And now he's done it again. Um... <laughs> This is the um, this is the part where we audio visual your podcast. And oh, we... You should do that one day though. Once, when, you know, once it's my goal. It's my goal. You know, yeah. video up. My, my goal would be video this. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it is very important that any creative knows their limits, and I think that's a very important thing to establish. Not super early on in your career. I think you've got to learn, but I think it's a it's a thing that you've got to kind of look at yourself and figure out for yourself because this industry asks a lot of people and i think you've got to know your boundaries i think it's very important there are certain jobs i obviously work primarily at the moment as a director and a writer i will i you know i also work as a performer there are certain jobs i will not take as a performer because they go past my boundaries and that's absolutely absolutely fine that's more than fine but I think as a person it's very important that you know your own boundaries within this industry that was good wasn't it? I, I, I that enjoyed was a really that good episode. yeah Thank it was really good. So was good I'm actually I'm actually sort of just living with it for a moment and yeah. thinking about that the idea of boundaries is interesting yeah like so could Completely. so I'm interested to explore that a little bit more because I'm yeah like, what do you, so what do you mean by boundaries like okay. is it something you is it sort of who you work with what in what parameters you work sure. that kind of thing sure. or do you mean or what do you mean like what could I you mean? Okay, so as let's take it from as a performer because I think that's a really that's a nice premise to kind of start on. As a performer, I will not perform in. So I okay, I won't do nudity. That's just something that I've gone. Do you know what? As me, just the person, I'm not comfortable with that. That's more than fine. I kind of won't do that. Can I? Sorry, just just cut in. Yes. So you said you won't do that as a performer. Yes. Does that then mean as a writer? you would never write that to potentially ask anyone else to do that that's a great question I've never come up with that yet and actually I I say all of this and I'm saying this from something to note your boundaries will always change and adapt older you get from day to day I might Mm. wake up in a couple of weeks time and be offered a job and that happens to be no I think this is really important your moral exactly that and if there happens to be a scene where they're like you might need to get your left it out but it kind of love what it is and what thank god just the left one (laughs) that's the best one thank the lord (laughs) no but like if there is something that i'm passionate about and it makes sense that's completely different that is completely different just right now as a young performer who you know i'm still learning a lot i don't have a lot of professional experience right now in my mind i'm kind of going Mm, I'd rather choose the role that isn't nude mm. than is. But that's just me as a human being. That's just kind of at the yeah. moment I'm like, oh, you know. So what I think that does really nicely is it, it, it almost rounds this whole conversation back up into a neat little package. Because mm. I think it goes back to that idea that we talked about at the beginning of fulfilment. And I think yeah. you can find the fulfilment in all the ways. You're, you don't just have to throw yourself at this yeah. in every yes, single way. Exactly. And do everything yeah. just just to be just to exist inside this industry. Completely. As much as you know, you sometimes you do hear about, especially sort of television and film actors saying, at the start of my career, I just said I couldn't say no to anything. I just said yes Completely. to everything. Yep. Uh, so I think that, that 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 ties that up really really nicely. I think the idea of you know fulfillment. Where will you? How far will you go to remain here? And you said something interesting. I think like a few hours ago before we started recording here. Mm. that you said and I hope you don't mind me talking about this no. that if there if something else came along mm. that gave you the same fulfillment that that at the moment sort of creating uh, theatre and, and performing and directing and writing did yeah. you would you would stop doing this and you would do that other thing instead yeah of course do you are you looking for that is that something you're seeking are you almost looking to sort of get out of this that's a really or is it a case of you're just like this is my this is my thing right now this yeah. is where I 
this is my my thing. What's sure. I, what am I trying to say? This is my I know this is my tribe. You've mentioned it. This is my yeah. tribe right now. Yeah. Are you looking for the other thing? Are you looking for that thing that makes you go, I don't want to do that anymore because I'm going to do that instead, and that brings me just as much enjoyment, enjoyment. and fulfilment in my life yeah. as what theatre does mm-hmm. at the moment. Are you looking for that, or is that something you're... Okay, not to get too deep, but um, I, so I, I graduated about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and um, to premise this, I have been in education ever since I was four and a half years old. Yeah. The most I did was I was lucky enough to go on a year abroad um, in America, but that is kind of the most time I've, sp- but even that was in a university. Yeah. So that, you know, that's kind of the most time I spent away. And theatre has sort of been the thing, as I said, since... Since I was about 10 to 11 years old. So I kind of finished my degree and then hit the year, I've kind of called it like the, the year slump because you graduate and then you have your year and it is feels like the worst year ever. Now I was doing some really amazing projects during that year but it was very, very difficult for me because you go from spending every hour of the day doing something you absolutely love, surrounded by people who are doing the same thing and then you get thrown into the real world and you go, I don't have a student finance. (laughs) I don't have X, Y, and Z. I'm not living around the corner from my best mate. I'm back in my my childhood room with my parents, who are lovely, but you know. (laughs) You have to say this because your dad does listen. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I'm immediately regretting the uh, nudity section of the podcast. We'll we'll just put a timestamp in. It'll be fine, it'll be fine. You know, and you, I I really, really want to, if anyone's listening to this, who's about to graduate, who has graduated, whatever, I just really want to say it's okay to have that first year slump because believe me every single person I have spoken to who I'm friends with who I've you know anyone has had that same slump and it's okay because what we've decided to do as a profession is not to go really straight in from education into a workforce that then follows quite a similar pattern to education where it's just kind of stages of progression which is lovely like that must be great (laughs) but we have decided to do something a little bit unglamorous a little bit you know sometimes soul destroying and something that makes you very very vulnerable and that's okay so it's it's all right to have that slump is kind of what I'm trying Mm. to say and I had I massively massively had that slump for a year and like I said I was very very lucky I was doing some other projects and they were fulfilling me in that kind of way but it, it you know it's not the same as like you said it's not the same as doing this every no, single day of course day. not of course not and you try and find yourself again I, I think I'm going back to it we have chosen to do a career that actually defines us a lot in terms of our personalities you won't find an accountant that goes oh I'm just really into numbers and they really define me as a person you kind of won't find that but you will find actors who kind of go I live and breathe this kind of stuff. It's the only thing I think about. So I I think, you know, that's kind of a a big difference. Um, So for for that year and and a bit... I was definitely looking to see if there was anything else that fulfilled me. Quite as much. Yeah, completely like this does. And the conclusion I've come to is that there is too much I love in this industry to stop doing it now. And I've actually, as I've worked too hard as a person to be involved in this industry to kind of give it up straight away and to just kind of go for an open quotes, close quotes, easier option. I know that's not, you know. Yeah, not even. But like what you, what what someone might say proper yeah a proper job a real job a real if you job. will you know um yeah I've I've done the whole working in my old hometown my local I won't name the brand but coffee calf, coffee, coffee shop coffee, yeah. coffee shop I've seen the people I go to school at looking at me like what the hecking yeah. is she doing serving me my latte and you kind of have to swallow your pride a little bit and go I won't be doing this forever and yeah. you know something will come of this and all that kind of stuff but I think something I'd say to people is it's really important to find stuff that fulfills you that isn't at all involved in this industry I'd say that to every single creative I meet find something 
that has absolutely nothing to do with theatre, with acting, with anything like this. Because otherwise all your value is tied up <laughs> in this. And if And if it isn't working, it will make you feel... Yeah. If, it, if it's 100%, and you're getting none of it. Yeah. What's left is zero percent, and your your you know your cup runneth dry, and suddenly you've got nothing left. Completely. And I think that can be difficult. Oh, so difficult. I I yeah, completely. Yeah. And I I think so. Find things that fulfil you. Find the things that make you happy. My family are incredible. My friends amazing. They fulfil me. And doing stuff like I'm really into sewing, guys. If you need a skirt at any point, come to me. <laughs> like there, you know, there are certain things, and there that's creative in a way. But you've got to find your things that aren't involved in this industry because there will be a point where you've gone a couple of months, dare I say it, a year without a performance job, without a directing Mm. job. You can't quite crack that play. It's been sitting on your desktop for months. You've got to find something else that makes you feel like a human being. To round the conversation up, Mm. let's talk about what you've got coming up. What's coming up? What have you got going on? Plug away, please plug away. Wow. Currently, me and Mr. Darren Hill are in the midst of our third show together. Oh my goodness. Uh, We are doing a wonderful show called Stage Fright at the Theatre Royal with our incredible senior youth group. It's coming to the stage on the 10th and the 11th of May. It's going to be amazing. What else is there to say? It, it's going to be extraordinary. It's going to be really, it's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be, it's it's going to be, be really fun. good. And, we'll, and of course we'll talk about on the, the next episode of the Roundup as well. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about Poppet Theatre as well. So I am a part of this Facebook group called Bossy which um, is a group for female and non-binary members on Facebook to connect a load of female creatives. And I think England and America I think there are there are many people from many places I happened to meet this wonderful girl called Helena on there who had uh, a theatre company and a concept for a TIE show and I've come on board for their debut show as uh, as the director and it is a show called Jerry and the Adventures of the HMS Stargazer and we have got a slot booked in Edinburgh this year very exciting it's gonna be it's really gonna be wonderful it is a show for primary school age kids and families so we're saying children from about six to eleven um it is a show about history about geography uh we have a load of beautiful puppetry in there so you learn all about zoology as well and it's just a story about it's a little adventure about taking a little koala bear home from england all the way back to australia it's about being brave and seeing what home really means to be home yeah. Lovely. Lovely. So you can find you can go to Facebook at the moment. And you can find Poppet Theatre. It's just if you go to Facebook, look up Poppet Theatre, uh, and at the moment it's the one with the big koala bear in the picture. And you have Jerry a Kickstarter. Himself. Jerry yeah. himself. Jerry. And you have a Kickstarter. We indeed have a Kickstarter. Have a Kickstarter. So we... if it sounds up your alley, yeah, go, get, yeah. go check it out. We are looking awesome. for funds to make some of our beautiful puppets and to help us get get ourselves up to Edinburgh. Pretty much. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you very, very much for oh, joining thanks, us. Thanks, thank pals. You. This was fun. <laughs> it's been really, really fun. It's been really, really, nice. this was been really, really lovely. Uh, so I guess without uh, without further ado, I guess we got to say uh, we got to say goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fools Folly podcast. Again, we are your fools, Darren Hill and Colin Maud. For all links to our socials, please look at the description. And for all socials related to Poppet Theatre, including website, Facebook and their Kickstarter campaign, also please look at the description. Bye, friends. Bye.